Well, hello everyone. Mm -hmm. I was like, get the wrong notes. I'm like, hello everyone. As you're aware, my past is riddled. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, read the right script. Oh, right, right. All right, everybody, we're starting over. <laughs> Ready? Two, three, one. Hello, everybody. This is. <laughs> <laughs> hello everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and live and make decisions. And when everyone disagrees, how do we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all of the information overload and choose what actually governs our lives? Well, as we pray and process these things, we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Joe. You know, Good job. You read that well. Thanks. Yeah. You, I still don't have it memorized. <laughs> it's like I just know. My brain knows. I have the crutch. I can just read it. It's there you fine. go. It's interesting. You know, we say from news sources to comedians, uh, we were together the last couple of days on a retreat, and uh, one of our guys said uh, one of the most profound things he's ever heard on a controversial topic, and I'm going to leave it anonymous on purpose, was actually from the mouth of a comedian in one of his sketches. Oh, okay. And uh, it's just, but that's a thing. Like people, we hear stuff from people all over the place yeah. and it just comes crashing in. Yeah, it's absolutely. Really yeah, if you're commentating or observing things around you, yeah. you know, there's insights there. And then if you have a a microphone, you're going to say things. Yeah, so. well, everybody says everything nowadays. Uh, so Everybody's true. got a microphone. That's true. Speaking of which, uh, what are your thoughts? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost, when, yeah. Every once in a while, there's just certain things you don't want on a microphone. You don't want to be recorded saying, you know, and uh, what are your thoughts on the Browns and 49ers? Uh, so that's a big hint as to when we're recording this, but that yeah, game's coming up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a difficult weekend. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> 49ers are... Well, Brock Purdy, first of all, is a is a neat Christ follower. Yeah, if you know yep. his story, so he's kind of fun. And I'm old enough that I remember the Joe Montana uh, days, of the Steve Young days of the of the Forty Niners. But um, they're just good. I, I watched them play uh, this week, and they they're going to be tough to beat. They really, really, really tough are. to beat. I thought uh, I hadn't watched them at all until that same game, and. I actually just assumed he was like a lucky quarterback on a really, really good team. Now, and after watching him, like, oh, no, he's a really good quarterback on a really good team. Mr. Irrelevant. So last guy in the draft, he has yet to lose in the in a regular season game. And they would have been in the Super Bowl last year if he, he got hurt mm -hmm. and then their backup got hurt. Mm -hmm. Remember that game that yep. he went in and was like trying to throw with half an arm and they, they lost, but... Or they would have gone to the Super Bowl, I'm sure of it, you know. But they're they're good. Yeah. They're fun to watch. I think I even saw that he's got. Uh, I think he has the longest streak of pass attempts without throwing an interception to start your career too. Wow! Like so, it's not even a fluke somewhere. So far, it's just straight up. Yeah, he's good. He's just, he's like a Tom Brady. You know, Tom mm -hmm. Brady was drafted in oblivion. You know, right. and then it came. I'm not saying that he's going to be as great as Tom Brady, but right. just it, he was lost in the mix. Nobody was talking about Brock Purdy two years ago. No, right. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah, it's good. Well, now that we got frivolous things out of the way. Are they, though? Well, <laughs> depends on who you ask, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? This is the episode I've been waiting for. <laughs> Uh, that's the show that they would love, Jeff, is you and I doing sports commentary. Oh, uh, well, you you heard most of mine right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and I'm tapped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. 
Well, uh, today we have uh, another submitted question, and uh, our listener, um, you know, this is one of those situations where uh, they've been through some hard things, and I think that um, in some ways, Jeff, that's kind of the blessing of this podcast is folks, you know, when people go through hard stuff and they have all these mixed messages coming in around them on why and where and how and what should I do with all of it, they're looking for clarity, and Mm -hmm. that's where our listener's at today. So... Uh, Our listener says, as you're aware, my past was riddled with extreme domestic abuse. I was raised in a church that would quickly use scripture to justify my abuse. Mm. Now, while I have found tremendous healing through the love and compassion of Jesus, and with the help of my church family at Grace, uh, even renewed counseling ministries and their own deep dive into many years of research, the question still sometimes that they wrestle with, the one that they have, uh, that's common among the women that she now walks alongside is this. Where's the line between forgiving 70 times 70 and enduring abuse? And so for our listeners that might not know, uh, when Peter asked Jesus, you know, how many, do I just need to forgive, you know, somebody seven times? And Jesus says, no, seven, seven times 70. Like it's, it's this big, not even meant to be achievable number. That's where that comes from. So what's the difference between that kind of forgiveness and then enduring abuse? Yeah. So, well, first of all, let's just talk about that for a second, because forgiveness has nothing to do with trust. Mm. So forgiveness is given, trust is earned. Um, and so when we forgive, when Jesus says seven times 70, what he means is to infinity and beyond. You know, <laughs> he, he, he's saying forgiveness is a habit. So if, if somebody sinned against me and it truly was a, a one-time thing. Just pull it out of the abuse world. Uh, you you did me wrong you, financially. You stole money from me. And you truly did repent. You truly did or tried to pay back that money. You made amends, so to say. And you asked me for my forgiveness. I would need before Christ to forgive you. Now, here's the 70 times 70 part. I can't ever, no one can ever forgive somebody once because every time they remember the abuse or they, they, they remember the wrong and then they feel the effects of the wrong, all the bitterness and the anger, you're triggered is how we would say it today, comes back up. Now I have to forgive you again. So me choosing to forgive you is me taking the weight of constantly forgiving you on my shoulders before the Lord, uh, which is what Christ does for us. He puts the, the the sin of the world was you know cast upon Him, and so I'm acting like Christ in that every time I remember or think or I'm tempted to be bitter, I'm choosing to forgive you again. That's seventy times seventy. If you stole money from me and I forgave you, that has nothing to do with me being willing to invest my money with you again. Mm-hmm. You broke a trust. And that trust may never be reestablished, right? So what happens a lot of times when someone asks forgiveness and it's given, they'll look then and say, you haven't really forgiven me unless you trust me, and that's not true. That's actually them abusing grace. So forgiveness cannot be demanded. Right. And when someone says, well, you have to forgive me or you didn't forgive me, now you're wrong, it is, that's not true. It's a lie. They're doubling that. Now they're being self-righteous or whatever you want to call it, uh, but, but that's not at all the, the, uh, the biblical picture. So 
Forgiveness can be given. It cannot be demanded. Trust can be given, but it has to be earned. So in this situation now when we're talking about domestic abuse, can you forgive an abuser and not trust them? I actually would encourage you to do that. Mm. Um, If someone has abused you, uh, and they have used you, and they their abuse and their lies and their accusations and the words and uh, all that goes into abuse, I would encourage you to, before the Lord, do exactly what this, this listener has done. Uh, they went to counseling. They sought the help of the church. They sought friendships. What, what they're doing is they're not giving their abuser control. Mm-hmm. And the, the ultimate act of not letting them have control is, I forgive you. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm releasing you to your own sin, what the Bible calls in Romans chapter 1, I'm turning you over to your own sin. So your problem's your problem, it's not my problem. I'm not going to hold on to that bitterness, I'm not going to accept those lies, and I'm going to choose to forgive you again and again, because that's that's how I get freedom from what you've done, and I really, I'm not going to waste my time and energy being bitter and holding that over over your head. Do you trust them again? I'm like, and I would look and say, that's a completely different conversation. Absolutely. Right? So are there cases when someone has been abusive, there is true repentance, there is change, and you can choose to retrust that person? The answer to that, of course, is yes, there are those cases how do you know if that's your situation? And I would say, well, you, you watch that continually. If you're in a domestic abuse situation, the first thing you should do is get out of it. And, and you should uh, find safety, find a sanctuary, find people that can protect you. Now, I want to be sensitive. I know that what I just said is much easier said than done. There's children involved, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not trying to minimize that. But if somebody came to us and said, I'm being, de- I'm being abused, the first thing we would do is try to find them safe shelter mm-hmm. um, and try to get them to allow us to do that. They won't always allow us to do that, which is part of the abuse cycle, but we want to do that. From there then, now we're talking about what actually happened, how often does this, does this happen, is this – a person's ugliest moment, or is this a pattern in their life? And the right. conversation moves from all those places. If it's a pattern, then I would say that that trust needs to be withheld. And I can love you, and I can forgive you, and I cannot trust you mm-hmm. uh, in that that arena of my life. And what I've seen again and again is that the abuser will demand that trust, demand that forgiveness, and they will actually start to spin that in their mind that the abuse victim's unwillingness to give it to them or unwillingness to trust that. What they will do is spiritualize that, and they'll, they'll look, then make the accusation, we'll see they're, they're ungodly, they're immature, they're shallow, and all those things are absolute lies. Yeah. There's uh, a wonderful... Uh, word picture that someone showed me that really helped me understand the difference between that forgiveness and that trust. And they said, "If you, it's it's the difference between debt and credit. 
if you owe money on a car and you're struggling with making that payment and that person that you got the car from said, you know what? It's covered. You no longer owe on this car. You're, you've just been forgiven your debt. Yeah. You no longer owe on that debt. Well, if you turned around and said, hey, would you mind if I bought a second car? They're like, no. <laughs> like, your credit's not good. Like, you don't have the ability to yeah. afford this, do this, whatever. And you say, well, I thought my debt was forgiven. It is. You don't owe us a dime. Well, then why can't I buy another car? Because your credit's terrible. Yeah. Like, you know, and so it's this understanding of how do you navigate between the two. And so I, I, I think that that clarity that you're bringing to the table of it just being different than trusting moving forward is so, so helpful. Yeah, and there's I like that word picture a lot too, and that that's exactly it. Like there's everybody has ugly moments, and and we I the reason I feel compelled to say that is because I f- I also feel like, and everybody take a deep breath and actually listen to what I'm about ready to say, right? So deep breath, listen to what I'm about to say. The 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 term abuse is being abused right mm. now, so. A what we would have called a fight or a disagreement is now abusive. Or I see this in kids. My my parent was abusive. Why? Because they won't let me. I'm like, well, that's not abuse. That's, that's parenting. So I the the reason I make a caveat here is not because I want to downplay anything that happened to our listeners in our listeners' life. I want to acknowledge that that term is being thrown around mm-hmm. and, and, and people are diluting what it means. So everybody in every marriage has an ugly, ugly moments, mm-hmm. right? Is it abusive? And eh, I know what you mean, but it's pro- it could be a fight. What I'm looking for is the pattern. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about you can hit her once, but don't hit her. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking no, about no. verbally abusive, those kind of things. Like what I'm looking for is you all you talk down, you shout down, you accuse down. Touching someone is hundred percent off the table. Sexual abuse, hundred there is no excuse for those kind of things. And what I'm saying is when that becomes the pattern. Can there be repentance and can a cycle be broken? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you restore that marital relationship or dating relationship? I'm like, I wouldn't. I, I would look and say, if, if your boyfriend is verbally or physically abusive when you're dating, it's only going to get worse. Yep. If your spouse gives you a... Uh, tacit, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. It's only going to get worse. And so that's what I'm saying. Like the very first thing you should do is remove from that situation. And this is my observation from 30 years of trying to help people. When someone is removed from that situation, uh, nine times mm-hmm. out of 10, the abuser reacts negatively, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, which tells me everything that I need to know. And they'll start accusing, they'll start blaming, they'll start defending nine times out of ten. Once in a while, in a great while, they take responsibility. And if there is a restoration of relationship, it is long, Mm -hmm. 
it is deep. You're going into discipleship deep, counseling deep. It is not a, uh, you know, I pushed her, I hit her on Tuesday, and we're good by the weekend. Mm -hmm. That's almost always going to repeat itself again. Uh, By the way, uh, domestic abuse is not just men to women. It's women to men. It's children and adults, et cetera. uh, Elderly can be abused, all the rest. I'm looking for that pattern. I don't see any zero biblical justification that says a abuse victim is obligated to be under the authority and control of their abuser. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Bible gets to Well, you're the wife. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Uh, submission is not gender-specific. So Ephesians 4 and 5, you submit to one another. Mm-hmm out of reverence for Christ. And then what happens is people take the illustration of the wife in the church and the church and the husband, and, and they they twist that mm-hmm. to control. So there is no biblical mandate mm-hmm. um, to go back into an abusive situation. And in the case of it being marriage, the, the abuse in and of itself is breaking the marital vow. Right. So it's not the victim, well, now you're breaking your marital vow. It's like, no, the abuse already destroyed. That's right. That she vow. she filed for divorce and and you know, God says we shouldn't get divorced. I'm like, no, you broke your commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you desecrated the daughter of King Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, every heavenly father. Like I'm like, no, 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 no. You you don't get to do that. And I would say that is spiritually abusive. And when that's enforced or even taught by the church, I would think of that as, as uh, a form of spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. that I'm using the Bible to make sure you stay under the control I want you to stay under. Well, that's not, there's nothing in God's Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we submit ourselves to Christ alone. We're under His authority alone, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then every earthly authority is godly or ungodly based on how they represent His heart and His mind. And that's where I'm saying that might mean that your mom and dad say no to you or discipline you. Sure. That does not equal abuse. No. You know, so, um, but the situation she's writing about here, there is no biblical mandate that says you have to go forgive and you have to stay in. In fact, I would actually argue that's why Moses made an exception and why Jesus reinforced it for divorce. They used the illustration of adultery, but really what they were really saying is the abandonment or the violation of the marriage vow. Yeah. Uh, and when that vow is thrown away um, or abused, then never does, does Moses or Jesus or God say, well, you have to live there no matter what because you're a girl and your husband has authority over you. Yep. Well, this, I think, is one of those conversations where we, I, I hope our listener and our other listeners are finding that it adds some clarity, especially that difference between forgiveness and trust, um, and, and that it's not breaking, if it's in marriage, breaking that marital vow. But we also are realizing this is a complicated thing, and so if this is something where 
you need help uh, getting connected to the right counseling, the right legal, the right uh, spiritual resources. That's a part of what a healthy church is there for, uh, is to walk alongside and take those steps forward. So we would love to uh, begin that. If any of our listeners find themselves in that horrific situation, um, we would love to help begin to navigate that. And, and Joe, I just want to reiterate what you just said, that the part of the cycle of abuse uh, comes from the silence of the abused. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is part of the problem and the trauma and the fear. I don't, I, in no way do I want this to be accusatory. Mm-hmm. What I do want it to be is I want you to know that if you reach out to Grace Church, you're going to be loved and you're going to be heard. And our number one uh, response is going to be, how do we get you into a safe place? Mm-hmm. And then we'll sort out these details or these details, and they're complicated. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you sitting in an abusive relationship trying to figure that out. Let's mm-hmm. get you out of that environment, and then we'll figure out what to do with the environment. And I I can't tell you how many... Uh, times over the years, uh, five to ten times over the years, I've interacted with especially women who are in very abusive situations, and if something finally blows up so much that they can't keep a secret anymore, and they then I'll find out like everything that's going on, and, and I, I'll realize then that this has been years in the making. Mm-hmm. And that there's been lots of fake smiles and lots of pretend uh, presentations of the health of the family. Now, I understand. I understand that they're surviving. I understand they feel trapped. Again, please hear my heart. This is not an accusation. But what I want you to know from our church is that when you come and tell us the truth, Uh, you're going to be heard, and and we're going to do our best to help protect and and to walk you through it. And that does not necessarily mean that we're going to figure out a way to get you back in under that roof and in that unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. What that means is you have allies, you have uh, protectors, and we will try our best to help figure that out. Like mm-hmm. you said, whatever whatever resources are needed for whatever that right path is. Yep. Um, but I, I just realized a lot in in the in this Christian world, there's a lot of, I guess, pressure. Maybe um, I, I don't I don't think it's been spoken by Grace Church, but I can see why it, why it's perceived. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you say things like God can heal any marriage, God's the God of the resurrection, He can mm-hmm. resurrect dead marriage. I say that stuff all the time. Yeah, because it's true. It is. Yep. It can be misheard and misapplied. Uh-huh. And so I've had people say that back to me, um, and I will look at them and I'll say, like, God's the God of the resurrection. When you feel like you fell out of love, when you quit talking, when there's been an affair, when, when there's been, you know, uh, uh, distance and hurt. I'm not saying stay in a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying live in unsafe circumstances. Mm-hmm. I'm also not saying run to a divorce lawyer. Right. But I'm like, let's let's put the truth on the table. Let us protect our our sisters and our brothers in Christ. And then let's sort this 
all out from a place of truth and clarity as opposed to a place of assumption and, and spiritual manipulation. So I would just say that to anybody who's in those circumstances. Like, I, I would never, ever want you to be afraid to talk to your church because mm-hmm. you think we're going to tell you, well, what you have to do is go back. You took a marriage vow. How do you? We're going to try to hear that with all the clarity that we can. And then I also know just from experience that abusive situations are wildly complicated. So we'll often call a counselor in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is legal mm-hmm. um, for sure, um, but we're, we're going to do our very best for you um, so that, that we can help you be at the place that God wants you to be. I've seen miracles happen. Mm-hmm genuine miracles, I could introduce you to the people. And then I've seen, uh, I've helped people get the divorce lawyer sure. because they, they have to make a change. All of it's kind of miserable. Yep. Um, and that's why we want to be with you in the thick of it. I would also encourage, um, don't be afraid. Matter of fact, maybe even try to muster up the boldness to get kind of detailed when you approach I can think of at least a couple of instances where folks, in hindsight, have like, well, I tried to share that things were hard, but they use cliches like, well, yeah, we've been fighting a little bit back and forth. Yeah. And what that rings to most people's ears is, oh, you argue from time to time, or you have some tense evenings every once in a while, and then you come to find out that it's... There's violence. There's violence, and yeah, like you have to share what's going on if you're seeking help, Um and, and if, if, you know, and if you say, if you're kind of listening to this and saying like, well, I can't share that with a man, all you have to do is raise your hand. And, and if you say that to us, no problem. We will connect you. We have so many with godly women. Godly leaders. women. Oh my and, gosh. And et cetera, et cetera. Like we're going to navigate best we can for you and with you to get you at the the place of help. And it is interesting. I think that's part of why that abuse cycle happens. Um, I've had that happen too, where, where like uh, somebody will say, uh, how was your night last night? Oh, you know, Heidi and I were going at it, being frustrated. And they're like, yeah, us too. Well, I meant we were getting on each other's nerves. You meant we were shouting and pushing and shoving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, and, and what happens is in my na- naivety, I would have never done that math. Sure. So what, what Joe is saying here is really important. Like, um, you don't, if you don't feel comfortable saying everything to us, but saying enough that we know, like, to raise that flag, um, we just wa- I just don't want you alone, right. and, and I don't want you to think that in the name of believing in New Testament marriage, mm-hmm. that we in any way equate that with you have to live in an abusive situation. Right, right. Well, I hope, um, even though we're diving into a very hard topic today, uh, I hope that our listener and any of our listeners that might be in the thick of something like this or have close loved ones that are... I hope this is helpful as we kind of dive into this. And if we can be that resource, we would love to help you do that. Take the next steps, find the people to talk to, find that place of safety, anything we can do, that's what we're here for. If you have a question that you'd like us to interact with here on Mixed Messages, you can always submit those at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. 
Uh, we would love to help you do that. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. If you're looking for a family of people to seek Jesus with and begin to figure out how to follow him, you can always join us uh, on the weekend here at Grace or even check us out online. Thanks for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you next time.